Hey, this is Candia Raquel, oh. founder of oh. Raquel. Yeah, Candia Raquel, founder of Centro de Poder. And you are at the Sensual Sessions podcast, the place to be to sense your fire, to share the flame. And if you haven't subscribed already, please go to www.centraldepoder.com and get yourself signed up to get these episodes delivered weekly on your inbox. Today, we have a very special guest. This is Alexandros Yarnau from Greece, and he's a physiotherapist. He's a Feldenkrais Method practitioner, and she, he's also a contact improvisation dancer. It's an honor to have you here, Alexandros. Thank you, thank you, Raquel, uh, Raquel, for bringing me here. Um, I'll, I'll be happy to have a conversation with you. Yes, and I am very curious about your your approach with your clients because you treat um, people with special neurological challenges, and you have mentioned that touch is so important. So normally we get very few touching from ourselves and and like from people in our everyday lives so i want to ask you <laughs> like why is touch important to be touched and what difference does it makes in therapy and in life right. in general Um, I don't know. Uh, why, why is touch important? Well, I, I was thinking. I was thinking the other day that uh, I mean, I feel, I, or I always felt like um, the eighty percent of what I'm doing um, is like uh, mostly non-specific work in this um, in this area of manipulation. So I would say that 20% is goal-oriented and 20% is technique, let's, let's say. And the 80% 80, 80 is it's not specific. It's just um, people that need to be touched and you're giving them that. So... It's probably, uh, it also has to do with the people, most of the people that I see that are um, kind of like uh, Dostoevskian heroes of some kind. They're old, they're frail, they have, um, they have body ailments, they have um, esoteric spiritual ailments, their cognitive status is not that good. So I mean, yeah, I was I was always challenged by this thought. I mean, what am I trying to give there? And I feel that most of these people, they they just want to be in a sense, in a certain way, they just want to be manipulated by somebody. They want to be touched by somebody. Um, they want to be supported by somebody. And uh, I feel that's that's. Um, that's a medication on its own. That's um, that's a goal on its own. Because uh, what what I'm saying is that um, 
all these people have been carrying their weights and have been carrying their selves, have been carrying their um, responsibility for their lives, for their body. Um, and they've been carrying, I've been doing this for 60 or 80 or 90 years sometimes, even more. And uh, what I really long for is just somebody to take a part of this burden, somebody to support them, somebody to move them, somebody to, um, to take them out of the responsibility of actually being and doing something. So that's where I'm, where I feel is um, my main contribution, support, support. And this, I was also thinking uh, that this sense of support is, is very, um, it's a very infantile need. It's the way um, newborn babies want to be held. They're not responsible for anything. Their parents are doing everything for them. They're touching them. They're moving them. They're giving them, they're also giving them identity through their touch. Yes. So um, most of the time, the babies feel themselves either when they're on the floor or when, or when somebody's touching them. So this, this first touch, um, it's given them a sense of self as well. So this is basically what <clears throat> what most of us that work with the body and touch people. I think that's that's uh, one of the main uh, illusions that we provide with people. They're supported and they can feel okay, and there's somebody there to help and. Uh, they're not alone, and that's—I think that's—that's that's, that's a great medicine. Yes, yes, to, to be supported, an infantile need, but perhaps a, a need that that is human or mammal, because you see the wolves cuddling in, together, like they—they they live in packs and they live in the wilderness, and it's very cold, and they sleep together, or cats, they like. Like touch is a very mammal animal thing that yes it is, it that is perhaps, very yeah it that, that is. Being, perhaps mm -hmm. now as civilized humans we've been like educated in that growing up means it's to be one hundred percent self-reliant when in actuality this baby need of, of being supported and being held and being contained and touched uh, continues along a lifetime because as you express it's it's present on on people that is 60 70 80 <laughs> and more years years old and how a baby we we learn the sense of touch by being touched because in a when we are touched we we feel ourselves and it gives a, a sense of identity and that takes me to to how touch deprivated we are as a western society we live in a in the desert of no touch even people that may be very wealthy or maybe very very poor, like we are taught actually 
that not touching is it's the appropriate standard of boundaries and it actually is like you, you one shouldn't touch anyone or let anyone touch you or get clo close to you without your cons consent but when there's the consent when there's like like the trust like why shouldn't we we others like hug the people that we love and be more touching and i feel that some yeah uh, <laughs> is a mean misunderstanding of of touch as something sexual exclusively sexual and the body itself as something uh -huh. sexual because that's what i believe i i think that pleasure has become a product in our society that we work so hard in order to get pleasure and and i feel that's wrong and that pleasure can only like be experienced or the body can only be experienced in a sexual con context and of course by all means like get pleasure in in intimacy and and enjoy your body but i mean um i feel that first and, and foremost that's not the case we are the body we are we are the flesh so like well how do you think i'm gonna give you a little context i've taken i've been lucky to have some feldenkrais sessions yeah, so, yeah. and sometimes like the plain the simple touch <laughs> this simple support is all that I that I needed to reorganize myself and even heal. So, but I don't, I am not a physiotherapist, an expert as you are. So would you tell us a little bit more about how does this 80% that you do beyond the techniques that is supporting and touching yeah. helps the person and the body and the nervous system to get better? Oh, now that's the question. Say again. I, I want to hear the question. I want to again. Yes. How how does this support that you provide that it, apparently it's yeah. very simple, it's touching, how something apparently so simple can be so important in healing and in what is said neuromuscular reorganization like how come some something so simple as touch can help you gather your sense of identity <coughs> oh um i don't know that's a hard question i don't know the answer to that and i obviously don't know the exact uh mechanism but it's um it is something i feel it's something rather obvious um maybe it was made more obvious to me during my Feldenkrais um training uh but still the the idea of support in general it's been um it's been used a lot it's been used in somatic psychotherapy um even in, in psychotherapy itself when people are lying on, on couches. So 
support, whether it's given by human hand or whether it's given by, um, uh, is assisted by devices, um, has always been a good, a good way of, um, of reducing tone. So I think for example, he was very much uh, was very much intrigued by this idea of muscle tone. And if, uh, for example, muscle tone can be taught, or is it like a fixed thing, or is it kind of is it is it malleable? Is it changeable? Is it constant? Is it the same uh, for the rest of our life? So we can actually control it. And if if we can control muscle tone, then um, I guess he was he was. He was dreaming or something. He had like uh, the idea of um, I don't know, some kind of a superhuman in his in his head. Perfect. So I be, I believe that he, he thought that if we could find the optimal tone for us, and that's like a holy grail because in general muscle tone is not something it's not something permanent. It changes, it changes in very interesting ways, but. It's never the same. So, yeah, Fulgash uh, was actually thinking about this optimal muscle tone for everybody. And he thought that if we could acquire that, if we could acquire this this state, then um, probably many degrees of freedom, as to say, many variables that have to do with our movement or our, um, not only our movement, with, with our emotional state, for example, with our behavioral flexibilities that all this could be unleashed. So we could be experiencing less pain, we could be um, able to, I don't know, to indulge in a variety of activities in different environments, um, be able to challenge ourselves um, in time and in space doing sports or living uh, Truly amazing lives, or doing whatever destiny is has written for us. Whatever. That, that was that was that was the idea. That was the idea of Feldenkrais, and he was. Um, this is. Yeah, he he had this idea of degrees of freedom, the, the degrees of freedom, uh, in his head, but he never really, never really mentioned this term. Also, although it was a term of his era and of his own profession. The de degrees of freedom. Anyhow, yes. And one of the reasons he was not using, uh, yes, one of the reasons he was not using this term degrees of freedoms, probably because he want, wanted to, um, to hide in a way uh, the guy he was the most um, inspiration from, who was actually using this term a lot. And this was Nikolai Bernstein. I don't know if you've heard of Nikolai Nic Bernstein. Nikolai Bernstein. No. Tell us, um, tell us about degrees of freedom yes, and dexterity, because I, I, I tell you why it's so important this concept of degrees of freedom, muscular tone, and dexterity, because we live uh -huh. in a Western world that educated most of us to work hard under the premise of no pain, no gain, high productivity, and wear your uh -huh. burnout as a trophy 
of honor or, and and try to strive on on the martyrdom of endurance which is actually the formula not for success okay. but the formula for self-destruction so the way to achieve more it's not even through through the forceful willpower but instead via the optimal organization that actually looks more like effortlessness and has the quality of elegance that okay. we actually see in high performance. <laughs> so I believe that it's key this this concept of. But yes, but uh, uh, in order for the performer, for in order for the performer to perform in the way you see him or her, um, he has to go through a lot of through a lot of pain. Yes, he will not get there by probably by doing felding right. Only, uh, only he will he will have to yeah you he will have to I don't know to um, challenge him or herself in extremes and just go for it and then um, um, I don't I don't believe in general Feldenkrais was against effort it's it's a nice motto but. Uh, um, I'm not hundred percent for it. Tell us more. I enjoy. I enjoy. I enjoy. It's like what? Yeah. Tell us. Tell us Sorry more. Again. Tell us more. More about effort. And what I what I mean is the the difference between an effort that is mindful, that that is an effort that is run through awareness versus just the effort of brute force and working with in a way that leads to injury like where where's the subtle difference between mm -hmm. an effort that actually builds you a body and muscle mass i mean you need to make good effort to get muscles to carry yourself but it's not the same kind of effort okay that will lead you to to break a joint or to burn out so what makes the difference <coughs> what makes the difference um I don't know. I'm I'm lately getting loads of ideas. I've been I had an accident last year, like a year ago or something. And um, after that, I had to stay a lot in bed. I had to stay for four months, being uh, more or less mobilized. Um, and it took me some time after I got up and I started walking and I started doing stuff. Um, it took me some time until I started to do something uh, quasi dynamic for my body. So after these four months, uh, another month passed, and after that, uh, I started doing sports. I started doing uh, yoga that I hadn't done much before in my life. Uh, I also did. Um, 
and I still do. I do, I do handstand lessons, and um, uh, I feel that there was a lot to learn from this um, experience, especially from the handstand lesson, where you actually learn to do something that's kind of that's very strange for the body. It's very strange muscularly, perceptually, having your head down and trying to balance there. And then I was kind of like, yes, I was trying to, I was starting to learn this thing from, let's say not zero, but a little bit after zero. And, I'm, and I've been monitoring this progress of uh, how things are falling apart, how one exercise complements another exercise. Um, and yes, and what I, what I re, um, re-encountered, just learning this new skill, is um, that, especially in the beginning, there's, there's more effort, especially when, when you're learning something that's new, there's more effort. And I really enjoyed this process of um, gradually improving my technique, because there's a technique there, there's a way things have to be done, one, two, three. And uh, this progress, this from scratch and from real effort to improving your coordination, improving your um, technique and having it done all um, with less effort. That, that, that has really been, um, that, that has been really an, a, nice, um, a nice journey for me. Um, but I really do believe that coordination, strength, um, they can actually be together and you can be actually very strong and uh, uh, be very elastic at the same time, be very flexible and um, and uh, actually I've seen many people who, who can be very flexible in their bodies but their thinking is not that flexible so um, I guess uh, you could have all the possible you can have all the possible combinations but I feel that in modern era people are trying to find uh, even in this fitness uh, industry let's say um, they're trying to find some some sort of a balance between strength between flexibility uh, and I think they're asking for everything they're, they want they want both if they can have it so in my era, I don't know, during the 90s or the 80s or something, you could see many people being one or the other, either very, very muscular, but not flexible, or very flexible, but not, not muscular enough. So now you can see, now you can see everything. And it's, it's a nice thing. It's nice thing. It's it's more people can be everything. People can be everything, and uh, I know. Yes, yes. I'm telling you all this because I don't know. Because uh, uh, my thinking starts from the Feldenkrais method itself, and I think that one one of the things that was going around Feldenkrais um, head, and not only his, 
um, is whether we can substitute coordination for muscle power. Can you make somebody uh, so good coordinated that he doesn't need muscle at all? That that would be that, like that was a question. But that that was a question. That was a question. What? Like like oh, an yes, a, a moving noodle. Yes, a moving noodle. A moving noodle, but is it? Yes, but these are kind of a moving noodle. <laughs> but then imagine a very muscular body. Yes, but this is this is the way. For example, if you see Bruce Lee, the Kung Fu fighter. Yes. I mean, he, he had muscles, even the mini muscles uh -huh. had like great tones. So he, he 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 somehow had everything, which leads me to ask you about the connection of pleasure, dexterity, and muscle tone. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. What about it? Say what about it? I, I, I am <laughs> studying, I am starting to to suspect that if, if you have that magic combo of of having muscle, like you you have built some flesh in yourself, but these these muscles are coordinated, yes. so your nervous system is involved. Will your experience be more pleasurable? Have you seen that in in your clients in your work? Then, have you seen a connection of pleasure with muscle tone and coordination? I am gonna give you an example. I work a lot in the computer, and sometimes I have bad yes, give me an example, please. And, and I have a lot of. <laughs> Sorry, and so, sorry. Yeah, and so I can 100% relate the bad muscle tone of my almost contractured shoulders to no pleasure. But then if my muscle tone is too low, I don't feel much. So is is, is there like like a degree of muscle tone where there's where you can like find pleasure like can you give us the location of pleasure in muscular tone terms <laughs> and in coordination? Is that possible? Ah, ah. Creating a map. Creating a map of Cre some sort. Uh -huh. like, I don't know, you're talking about all the pleasure thing. Hey, are you talking about all this pleasure thing? And obviously, Feldenkrais method comes from... Um, it comes from a category of methods like the body psychotherapy and, and Reichian approaches by Willem Reich. Mm -hmm. That um, I think they were all more or less looking for what was optimal tone and how this optimal tone uh, can um, affect the mobility of the thorax and um, if there is a tone that can actually be as good as to allow for your defenses to whatever those defenses are to fall apart and uh, with a um, with the main goal basically of having better orgasms with the main of having 
better orgasms. That's fantastic. But yes, the, the main idea in writing, yes, the main idea of writing and approach here is yeah, it's somehow to to allow the people to experience a full uh, full orgasmic um, thing. Oh, I didn't. And yeah, know. and Yeah, it, he comes from the same kind of. Uh, you didn't know that. No. No, and you tell can see, yeah. Tell me everything. Tell, no, I, I don't know. I don't know much. I don't know much. Tell me, tell me about orgasms. Uh, I don't know. This it, it is a constant, not a constant, but he writes a lot about 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 um, Feldenkrais writes a lot about sex and how it's all connected and uh, gravity. Uh, Ability to fulfill um, sexual destiny of some sort, uh, or meaning that I guess meaning that having full orgasms is um, what the society needs. Is in a way one one of these pillars. I mean, because um, I don't know many psycho. I mean, if you if you think that many psychotherapists. I mean, Freud, Jung, yes, Freud. and uh, after Lacan. that guy. Yes. 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 They, they all work. We all. They all work with people, either men or women with uh, sexual dysfunction. So, Feldenkrais. Um, he obviously worked with such people as well. He doesn't. He doesn't. Doesn't mention it somewhere, but I'm I'm sure that because he got visited by all kinds of people, all kinds of um, ailments, psychological, somatic, da -da -da, old age, neurological. But yeah, he saw a lot of people with orgasmic difficulties, and he was intrigued by how can I help, what can I do. Um, interesting. Yes, and but he doesn't. But Feldenkrais, uh, he was a funny guy. <laughs> yeah, Feldenkrais is a funny guy. He 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 was not. I was I was I was writing uh, some some sort of an article or I don't know uh, some some kind of a text on um, on the Facebook page for the Feldenkrais practitioners around the world, and I was saying that uh, Feldenkrais he was he was a weirdo in a way, in the sense that he actually. Talked and raw and write uh, mostly to hide things <laughs> and not to and not to explain, not to not to clarify. He mostly did the speaking and the writing in order to create a mist around himself, around uh, his method, around um, how he got around his method. Uh, you can you can see that yes. Um, he 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 writes about but we need all kinds of people in the society yeah and there's a book from Moshe Feldenkrais mm -hmm. that is called body and mature behavior and there's a full chapter about sex and he describes orgasm mainly masculine orgasm and i want to ask you about the muscular tone and contractions related to orgasm with my particular sad story that look 
I got a very hard injury in my psoas muscle because I fell from the stairs and the okay. uh, a section of the upper thoracic 12 and lumbar one, a, a segment of big segment of muscular fiber uh -huh. detached. So it's it was not like an abrasive fracture, but it was a, a muscular a muscular fraction fracture. And until and that was in 2014. So I I don't know the exact okay. connection of the psoas and and orgasm and the orgasm mechanisms, but I in my experience it plays a role in the transmission of of the wave of the trembling of the orgasm along the spine. Uh -huh. but I have the okay. the bad experience that sometimes if if the tension goes wrong, like I mean when when you are in intimacy, even if if you are with yourself, like having solo sex, just ma masturbating, like if I get like in a weird or tense <laughs> a certain position like the tension is gonna go wrong and i will have low back like severe low back pain for three weeks like if if i tense the wrong way when i am having uh -huh. a, an orgasm due to, to that injury i'm gonna be in pain <laughs> so actually it was because of of this my my own approach to my training and my teaching changed radically because I was super hardcore uh, ballet Graham training and I gave over two decades Pilates teacher trainings but after this injury I, I realized that my way of doing things like the hard way and striving and pushing would would only like uh -huh. be, be like a wall that won't let, let me move and that's why I began researching more somatic movements and approach and I discovered that the way that I can move is not by doing the hard air effort but by doing like the intelligent or coordinated effort and that's that's yeah like what do you think about my case do, do I have hope? <laughs> am I, am I gonna it, die like what, this? Yeah. What What was the mechanism? What What was the what, mechanism? What the... happened? What happened? I... What happened? How did you How did you get that? Yeah, spectacularly. I I was so exhausted after an eighteen hour weekday. I came out from my office from the Pilates studio, like really dragging myself to the car. And I just stumbled and fell down the stairs. And do I during the fall I, I made something like like to not like make fall on my head. So I grabbed like <coughs> like this thing of the stair and I made a weird movement and everything like like a whip. Like that was the part that cracked and I was okay. like I found myself like bent sideways and that's how I arrived to the doctor. I had like a, a, a spam, spasm, and then I found, found that. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, that was eight years ago. Okay, okay. So, 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 so you hurt your spine as well? Yeah, well. Did you hurt your spine as well? I hurt my spine, but my discs are okay. And the only thing is the, the soft muscle. Yeah, and the thing that, I mean, it's okay. a pain in the okay. ass because I, can, I cannot be like sitting like this for too long because it's going to cost me three mm -hmm. weeks of low back pain. I cannot be tense when I am having a, I am not, I cannot be like in a weird tension way when I am having an orgasm because it's going to go the wrong way. And so, uh -huh. so yeah. Sad so, story. So your, your orgasm trouble, they're traveling. Yeah. I mean, not always because I have learned like take it easy and like let the pleasure like flow in the body. Don't force pleasure. Don't force the orgasm. Let it come. And so far, so good. But like I have, I cannot afford <laughs> being unaware. So that's why I, I am asking about what's the connection between muscle tone, pleasure, con uh, coordination, dexterity. Coordination. I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I obviously don't know the connection between the, the, the four. Um, who... This is just uh, this. Is, I feel this is just uh, a stream of thoughts, and it happened that I like that when when this the same question or somehow being um, the point of interest from from different domains, either from either from experiencing pleasure for yourself or. Uh, if you're a dancer or if you're a psychologist and want to know what's wrong with this kind of person or the other person and what's your work as um following friends i don't know um you mean how can we fix things is that your question yeah maybe if it can be fixed like that would be fantastic but i am curious on yeah, on how can one organize muscle tone and posture in order to experience pleasure, not only sexual pleasure, but like somatic pleasure. Like when, when you're eating something delicious and like you're just like on the enjoyment and yes. there's an involvement like in the muscles of your face and like, mm, this is so delicious. but if you're unaware, like, I I know I can eat four donuts or five donuts, maybe four donuts and have a pizza <laughs> okay. without realizing. Okay. And like, when one is like on autopilot, both the experience of pleasure and uh -huh. it's, it's different, like it's not there. And the muscle tone must be different. I don't know what happens with the muscle tone. So that's the question. What's the connection between muscle tone and pleasure? And yeah. 
Buh. Um, so, I guess for but for 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 Feldenkrais, for Feldenkrais, um, he 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 saw his the body as an informational system, as um the central nervous system, as a system of receiving information. So he he actually thought that um um. If we have lesser tone, that means we're getting rid of, um, we're managing to to take out all the unnecessary information or loads of unnecessary information coming from our bodies. So he says a lot of this, all of this tension that we feel, it's unnecessary, and we can um, we can find a way to weed it out, wipe out some of this unnecessary stuff, and. Uh, when this unnecessary stuff goes, then um, there's space created inside ourselves to sense more. I mean, these propositions, I mean, they're quasi scientific and um, quasi existential at the same time. So I wouldn't necessarily argue like a scientist about that, whether it's true or not. I mean, I have felt being calm and being relaxed and having less tone and being able to feel feel lots of things. But I've experienced the opposite as well. I've been experienced. I have experienced myself so um, being tense and still being able to to enjoy and feel. So I think that through all these endeavors, this these people kind of give us um, a direction, nothing more. Um, the left, the, the part left is for us to to experiment, explore, see what, uh, see what's good for us, and um, that's it. So, that's I mean, there cannot be any kind of objective truth coming out of there. Yeah, but I feel it's all part of how of the subjective truth of experience. So let me recap to see if I understood well. So, um, if if there's an excess of muscle tone, that means that there are tensions or things that are unnecessary, and once we let go yes. of these tensions the the muscle tone reduce in a way to an optimal level that you can i mean you can achieve the muscle, the muscle tone reduces and uh, at the same time the feedback from from our joints and from our ligaments in a way i think that that's what he was thinking yeah, that this kind of signals coming from the joints are becoming clearer are becoming clearer so this become clearer um yes you you kind of you probably get a clearer sense of your skeleton and self so and it, not just contractions so you get, um i get you get a clearer picture of your of your structure of your structure so and of where you are in space where your orientation in space so 
the muscle tone lessens, like say you relax, the muscle tone lessens and your sensitivity increases. And with that, you the sensitivity increases. in joints, yeah. ligaments increases and you have a better sen skeletal sense of yourself and of your your special yeah. orientation. So that in a way could be understood as coordination. And this leads me to ask you what's what's the role that touch can play in muscle tone? Does touch help uh, to decrease muscle tone and increase sensitivity? Uh, well, that's, touch is a manipulation. So it depends on your intention, basically. Of Yeah. But um, it's an amazing tool. It conveys loads of loads of information and uh, one has to be aware of kind of what kind of information he can he can pass to the other uh, but obviously the hands can do loads of stuff they can increase tone either focally or gently. they can they can lessen they can uh, touch can be confusing um, can be many, it's many different things. I remember, I remember doing a going to a class where um, uh, to a dance class, and there was a very simple exercise where we had to walk around the room uh, without looking right and left, and somebody would come up from behind and just put her or his arm to our lower back. And uh, I mean, nine out of ten uh, students there, they were, um, they were not dancers. They were uh, just amateurs in the sense of not being formally trained. And there was one dancer, I didn't know him. But the moment he touched, <laughs> I realized, oh, okay, this is different from every other nine or ten. <laughs> So yes, I guess touch is powerful and touch can can do a lot, do many things. It can misdirect, it can, it can direct, it can facilitate, it can um, substitute, it can substitute effort. Um, but it's always been it's always been an interesting. Thing. And always talking about touch, is one always has to uh, keep in mind how the two hands are communicating. That's one of the very fascinating things that I always um, that are in my head. That you can change stuff by I don't know. Yes, by giving people the feeling by actually having hands communicate or not you can uh, give different all kinds of different different feelings wow. your hands can be you can be manipulating a head 
you can be you can be manipulating a head and I mean you your hands could be doing something very mirror like and um, as soon as this mirror like thing changes just a little bit if you create just a small variation with the one hand instead of mirroring hundred percent you uh, introduce uh, a small variation small variation like for example um, one finger in one hand is doing something different from the finger on the other hand and this is already something for the other to I understand to try to decipher why is it happening. Why is it happening? So, but yes, in general. So touch, yeah. touch communicates. That is something that I yeah, yeah just learning. Okay. And and like yeah, many things like it can lessen the muscle tone or it can increase the muscle tone. It can direct. It can distract. So then it's utmost important that touch is is appropriate and it's fascinating it can, it can connect it can metaphorically connect things it can disconnect things it can give a feeling that two parts are apart they're not together and other times it can help integrate things i don't know when especially i mean since i've been doing Feldenkrais. I've met lots of people with so-called, um, I don't know, I, I, I haven't given, I, I haven't still given a name for this kind of uh, problems, but in a way they're psychosomatic, because they're not, sometimes they're not clinically defined, they're not diagnosed with anything, although these people may suffer. Yes. And since I've started Feldenkrais, um, I'm meeting more, more and more people like this. People who who don't present themselves as being um, as being sick or having a disease, but still they suffer a lot. But still and they suffer. The, the funny thing with these people is that they still suffer. Yes, like most most like most people suffer a lot. Yes. We so, all suffer a lot. Either we do it uh, in front of a camera or <laughs> behind the camera in closed rooms. Either we we cry a lot or we cry a lot. <laughs> but still, there is a lot of suffering. Um, uh, so yes, I was thinking about those people, yes. non-identified uh, clinical entities. Non-identified. They, they tend to ask you. Hmm? Yes, they, it's my own term. It's not something. Yes, no, no, yes. yes. And, and they, they need to ask you. And yes, and since and since they're not diagnosed with anything formally, at least, they tend to uh, they tend to describe their problems and they tend to describe what they want in more um, kind of a poetic and existential fashion. Um, rather than talking about it in objectified terms. So they ask you some for some they ask for something um, that's coming out of their hearts. And sometimes it can be very simple uh, just um, like for example, I want to I want you to uh, 
to take away like three uh, percent of my pain of my non-identified pain but sometimes it can be stuff like um i had a girl she wanted me to connect she felt her head disconnected from the rest of the body and she wanted me to connect um the head back to the body back to closer the to the heart closer and, to the heart uh, i don't know i don't know it yeah i mean if you give these people like an open space they can say loads of uh, interesting if they start reflecting on their problem they can they can give um, interesting reports and very interesting uh, description it's fascinating very, very authentic it's fascinating how how they in in the environment of of trust and safety that you provide they open to yeah. make a subjective request and how the yeah. touch that you provide that you mentioned in the beginning of the session that mo mostly your work is 20% strictly technical it's one two three and there's a procedure and the other 80% is is this subject uh -huh. support that you say like this is our main function to support so this leads me how can this sensed support alleviates suffering like what have yeah how is it that <laughs> I mean, sometimes uh, in order to feel that you're that suffering is gone, you don't have to lose like eighty percent of the suffering. Sometimes even one percent is enough. Yes, as long as it, as it is in the right. In the right place. I mean, yes. You might be suffering from something like a neck problem, and you can have it there for for years, and then you forget it because you actually get habituated by the fact that you had it for ninety years or something, and then something happens, and oh, suddenly, uh, like an only small bit of this problem is is resolved. And uh, you could never ask for more. I mean, um, that's what people need. But sometimes, sometimes all <laughs> is just a breath of fresh air, just like a like a sigh of of relief, which leads <coughs> you. Yes. Is it possible? Uh -huh. Is it possible to? Is it? Is it possible? For for a body and for ourselves and and our experience to to experience pleasure while we also experience some kind of suffering. I mean, because sometimes we don't want to to welcome like the goodness in our body in our life because when we we post we procrastinate on pleasure we postergate pleasure like. I am not gonna be happy until I finish this goal or I cannot feel pleasure because I have neck pain or shoulder pain. So 
is there a possibility to coordinate <laughs> pleasure in the mix? Um, I mean, it's, um, yes, you're opening a, a, a big conversation. You mean if there's a pleasure economy or a pleasure ecology? Um, that's very, that's very cultural. That's very cultural, I guess, among well, other things. I mean, it depends on uh, how much pleasure is your society in a way allowing you, allowing you to have. And uh, if it's not allowing you enough pleasure, then uh, you have to make a breakthrough and uh, look for it, either either elsewhere or in the same society, but... Um, or in your body. Ooh. What? For your own body, yes. How much, how, how revolutionary you, you feel, I mean... Maybe the society is made in such a way that uh, the society is willed in certain way. We, they most of the time they will try to control how much pleasure you have, what kind of pleasure you have. There's a lot of manipulation um, taking place regarding taking place and. What's there? What are the tools of pleasure? What's allowed? What's not allowed? And da, 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 da. And, da, 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 and, and and the war is very complex. The the war about the war about pleasure is very complex. Yeah. Um. um and fish and. They're playing. I think the I mean, the idea of instant gratification is very is very prevailing nowadays. Instant gratification. Either it's yes, you need to have that fix. You need to have that fix. Uh, I, I guess to an extent, uh, societies need need people that act like uh, like junkies. So we need instant gratification for our. Um, for what we write on social media, for from what we say, we get instant gratification from uh, from from porn and from masturbation, a lot. A lot. So, yeah, it it is a question. What? Yes, and yeah, we get a lot of instant gratification through porn and masturbation. But the the question is in regarding to what we have explored about muscular tone and touch and awareness and movement. What what is something that we can do in, in our awareness and movement and etc to have um like like a felt sense of of pleasure from from the body that is not just a quick fix that is not watching porn or uh like a random mechanical masturbation but uh -huh. like how how can we like really tap into what is there for us? 
what is the what is the global way? Aha, is everybody or, looking? Or what is what is a way to? Aha, to to the be revolution of to, uh, as, as, a, uh, as your patient that wanted to connect the, the head to the heart or wanted you to help connect the head to the to the body, how can we connect more yes. to pleasure in the body? Not whereas it's the pleasure eating, like really getting into the pleasure of yeah. of a chocolate. Or whereas it's sexual pleasure, like how can we uh -huh. masturbate in a way that we get to our like the real pleasure? Like when you said like there there is this muscle tone and all the excess is unnecessary. So in a way, all all the quick fixes of uh -huh. gratification can be seen as as unnecessary muscle tones that that actually dampen our okay. sensitivity. So how can we deepen into our sensitivity? Of <laughs> how can we increase? Uh, I mean, culturally speaking, I think, I, I believe that dance pedagogy gives a very good um, very good incentive for people to it gives them a good starting point for people on how how to address their body and how to address their sensuality and their relationship to others and their relationship to the sexuality of others um for me there's nothing more democratic let's say i don't know i don't i don't even like this this word but it is it is I, what i felt through dance is not uh, it's not some kind of necessarily it was not a revelation for me but um, what i what what i have acquired from dance is a longing that the dance and the touch of the people um and the different context in which you touch people when you dance, it's something that should be introduced as part of a of a global uh, thing, a global um, educational effort for for next generation. Yes. Or for ongoing generation. Or not? Yeah. I mean, if you give people the if the people right context, a beautiful context. If you give them games and exploration and that, and give them some good music and you somehow tamper with their imagination, just make them, you know, a bit get out of their roles, other it means, um, I don't know, gender or profession or ability or disability or whatever. Um, if you give them that, they will they will touch, they will they will enjoy, and for most of them it will be uh, apocalyptic. Either they understand it fully or or not. But it is it is so. 
all my hope for something better or um, it has to do with that. Yes. Although I know that dancers, like dancers, like, like professionals, are going through hard lives, their, their relationship to touch and their relationship to pleasure and pain. Sorry, sorry for hurting. <clears throat> so yeah, I understand. Yeah, I was saying that uh, the relationship that dancers have with their bodies, with their pleasure, um, with um, the autonomy of their body, um, their body. I wouldn't recommend anybody to anybody to become a dancer. Not to anybody to become a dancer. But still, as uh, I feel that dancers are kind of martyrs in this effort of the um, society to upgrade its um, its relationship with um, with itself basically with its humanity with its sexuality sensuality or whatever yes yes so important we should as a culture and for so the ongoing generation, motivate dance. Maybe not as a professional way, but this dance of contact improvisation and games and like educate on the contextually appropriate intimacy. Like for example, like the intimacy of, of a conversation and the intimacy <coughs> of touch. Like you say, like touch, I never thought about it, but perhaps touch is itself a language because you said like it can lessen, lessen muscle tone, it can increase muscle tone, it can connect, it can disconnect, it can guide, it can derive. So we should have like, like an education of this language and experience. And in the same way that we don't say bad words to people because we know that bad words are bad words and hurtful words will have an impact. In the same way, we we should have a culture of touch and which touch creates what. So we like restore these this claim that that we exerted as babies like come hug me or i cry <laughs> because maybe in a way in our society maybe uh -huh. much of our suffering and our pain is just a cry for being held and touched so alexandros would you share with us can can you share with us a, a little well said. thank you i i am just like paraphrasing you can you share with us uh, <laughs> a, a a simple guideline to to at least touch ourselves because one one time you told me like you you could even see when one of your patients was like deprived and hungry for touch without even knowing and 
like one can tell most of them, them. 99% people even married with with a loving husband or a loving wife are not touched in the way they need to be touched and not only sexually or sensually but simply yeah. touched in the way that provides the support so like can you tell us how can we touch ourselves so at least we can like get started no if we can say how we can support ourselves or how we can touch yeah. ourselves yeah how can we support or touch ourselves maybe i can wrap i don't know i believe we, a blanket. I, I think we should be touched mainly by others what okay i, I think we should mainly be touched by others we should maybe that's my notion okay okay that's yeah, like that that but <laughs> we should mainly be touched by others so i'm gonna maybe go yes, maybe I'm, yes. so i'm, I'm gonna go ask for a hug there are people who are yeah you're gonna go i i am gonna write in a piece of paper I need a hug and go to the 7-Eleven here in, in the town. Like yeah, yeah, that's the best. That's so, the best. That's a very good one. Yeah. I need a please, hug. Yeah, for sure. Please hug me. For sure. So I'm, yes, I'm going to yes. get started with a hug while I get <laughs> like, a, like, like a permanent boyfriend or husband or someone that can touch me. That's what I'm going to put in Bumble or Okay, in. yes, yes. In these dating applications, I need to oh, be you need touched hug, by you. <laughs> you need a hug machine. I, I need a hug machine. <laughs> you, you, you need a, a hug machine. Yes, yes, yes. There has been, I don't know. Uh, the, 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 you know Oliver Sacks. I don't you know Oliver Sacks. Oliver Sacks. You don't know. I've heard what about it, but not really. In the book, uh, okay, come on. Uh, in his book, it's called uh, A Man Who Mistook His Wife. I think that's the one. I think that's the one. Maybe it's another one. Maybe I'm mistaken. I'm probably mistaken. Anyhow, but there is a story about an autistic girl. Because, you know, people with uh, autism, yes. they can... Um, it, it they have actually... different... Uh, yeah, they they can be either they can be either very um, touch defensive, not wanting to be touched. Sometimes they get overstimulated by touch. But uh, there is also um, uh, a certain group of autistics that they need lots of proprioceptive information, and I'm I'm not sure if this has to do with their autism and stuff, but uh, it might take an in interesting form in, in, in their life. So there, there was this, this woman, I think she was, I have to find this story. Anyhow, and I, I think she was, she was autistic, not mildly to being severely autistic. And uh, she had invented for herself, it was, yeah, it was a hacking machine, basically. It, it was like a space, and there were like two plates with covered with um, soft material, and she would get inside there, 
and uh, there was a system that would pressurize her inside. Yes. I, I and mean, that's she question. would, yeah, she would, she would get something very important from there. <laughs> get something very important from there, a touch machine. I'm going to invent myself one in the meantime. Touch deprivation. <laughs> we are. Yeah, like a press or something. It's like a press. Yes. Yes. In the meantime, I don't know. Maybe. But in general, in the touch is amazing. Yes. Yes. So sometimes you touch a person. Sometimes you touch a person. Uh, and you understand that they enjoy it so much that you've done like most of your job. You don't have to do anything. They just need it to be touched, these people. And they, I know it's a category, it's a certain category of people. They just yes. want to, they want this, um, all kinds of, all kinds of variations. They want with pressure, they want, they might be wanting pain, they might be wanting something softer, but they enjoy it. They just, they go for, they live for it. They live for it, they go for it. Yeah, like, yeah, let, let's get yes. touched. Let's get touched. And yeah. Let's, let's get touched. Yeah, let's get touched. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you so much, Alexandros. This, this is a, a fascinating <laughs> episode. It's so meaningful. It's so, so meaningful to bring awareness in our need to be touched, in how important it, it is from a development standpoint and from a somatosensory standpoint and from a like subjective, culturally whatever you call it. Touch is so important, so let's get touched. So tell us, how can we get in touch with you? How can we, I don't know if you that give classes online or maybe we have to travel to Athens, Greece to learn with you. How can we get in contact with you? Okay, and yeah, if, if you travel to Athens, Greece, yeah, it will be much easier uh <laughs> i'm not giving any online lessons on i mean I, i'm not giving them on on english language i do some stuff but it's mainly in uh, on greek. greek uh so yeah if if you find me in athens and i can give you my contacts if you want and you can post them as well yes so for yeah for every human um especially <laughs> neurological patients especially geriatric that's what I love. But the others will be unidentified flying conditions. <laughs> yes. And also you have a, page, a Facebook page. Glad, yeah. You have a Facebook page when you where I you have, post I very have. interesting articles about dexterity and Bernstein and much more. And probably touch. Thank so you. what's what's Thank your you. Facebook page? So so the essentialist can go and like your Facebook page and contact you. It's called the Feldenkrais Workshops Athens. Feldenkrais Workshops Athens. That's my that's my page, and you can yeah, yeah. you can contact you know where to contact me. Yeah, either there. Yes, you know where to find me. <laughs> yes, I I I would. Thank you, Rachel. Raquel, is it Rachel or Raquel? Raquel, actually, that that's my emergency name. 
I, I, I identified myself okay. with Gandia, which, which actually was the ancient name of, a, of an island in Greece that is Crete. It, the, the original name okay. of the island was Gandia. Okay, yeah. okay, nice. Candia, Candia Raquel. Yes, such a pleasure, Alexander. Raquel. Raquel. Alejandros, Alexandros. Thank you for Alejandros. 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 <laughs> I'm very happy. Eucaristus. Eucaristus. Thank you so much for sharing this. <laughs> Eucaristo. Efharistos. 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 No, Efharistos is this. Efharistos. Yes, it's the right. Efharistos. Thank you. Efharistos. Yes, exactly. That's the best. The, the best. Okay, there it is. Oh. <laughs> Such a pleasure. Hope, hope this is the first of many. Thank you. Projects. Thank you, thank you. And thank you, sensualist. Okay, okay. Thank you to the sensualists that have joined this extraordinary episode. And if you haven't subscribed already, please go to www.centraldepoder.com and get yourself signed up to get these episodes delivered weekly on your inbox. Until next time, remember to sense your fire to share the flame.